Episode 29 is with Jared Pruitt, who's a retired sergeant from the United States Marine Corps. Jared served with the 1st Battalion 6 Marines and deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan. We had to split his account into two episodes due to Jared having an absolute abundance of detail. Part 1 is the previous posted episode where we talk about his deployments to uh, Ramadi, Iraq. Uh, and this episode details his deployment to Helmand Problems, Afghanistan uh, and to a town called Garmsir and the big push into that area of the country in the summer of 2008. Jared and his boys seemed like they had a fucking great time dealing with the new environment of warfare, having just come from urban Ramadi and now operating in rural time warp that is Afghanistan. Check out at Deathwalkers Marines on Instagram to see the posts about both deployments, but for now just sit back and absorb the very raw and detailed account of a young sergeant in Helmand Province 2008. And without further ado, the Lead Wasps podcast episode 30 is live. Oh, zero four zero Alpha, confirm that's bombs dropping on Manstrak. Fucking hell! Let's let's uh, let's carry on from the last time, uh, uh, part one, because to finish off part one, we were talking about the struggles that we had coming back from, mm -hmm. you know, f you know, deployments in general, but specifically your first Iraq one, and. Yeah. I think we've done a good job of covering that. Um, but what was your what was your build up looking like for Afghan in comparison to your Iraq build up? So Iraq, we knew we were going to Ramadi early on, so we were able to gear a lot of the training, you know, towards that. Um, you know, a lot of urban urban warfare, all all military operations on urban terrain, the the MOUT acronym, and, and that's what we did for those. Uh, like I got there, and I think there was three months leading up to the deployment. So that's all we did was just house house stuff. Um, and then Afghanistan wasn't Afghanistan at first. We were, we became part of the 24th Mew military expeditionary unit. And that's like, um, there's like a aircraft carrier. Uh, I don't know all the ships. Like I'd have to ask uh, somebody to, to uh, fill in all those blanks there. But so we were training up for basically anything and, and everything, you know, a little bit of everything. We went through non-lethal training. So we did pepper spray, riot shields, baton. What else was in there? You do a lot know, of IED getting, stuff. Getting, what's that? You do a lot of IED training. Yeah, yeah, we still did IED training because, you know, regardless of if we were going to end up somewhere, it would be in the Middle East or something like that. So, yeah, we definitely went over that. And, you know, I, we, we brought all of our experience from Ramadi. So whether we were actually doing CQB training or not, if we were at a place with a building or, or if we could, like, lay down some tape on the ground or something, we were training room clearing, like, all the time. Um, so we were always doing that. But we would do all the, the open, open terrain, like, going through the forest of Fort Pickett with these 
giant ranges there'd be like you know we'd be going through hum fields with humvees tanks would be rolling down a main stretch with like infantry on either side and you know doing doing all sorts of stuff like that fire team rushing i'm up he sees me i'm down that just type of stuff just, well just real co conventional warfare type yeah training, yeah yep so we were we were covering like all of our bases so we we went to Fort Pickett a couple times, and the second time we went to Fort Pickett, that was like our combined arms exercise, and it, and it was different because we still didn't know what the hell we were doing. We just thought we were going to be floating around the Atlantic and and hitting up Spain, going to Norway, some <laughs> somewhere in Africa, you know, like just doing what. Like, yeah, like I definitely joined up to go to war, but if I got to see the world in the process too, like that'd be badass. So we, we're building up towards that. Like after a, a, a terrible deployment like Ramadi and it, we were like, no way, like this is going to be almost like not a vacation, but we're going to be able to go see the world type of thing. So we do like a week on, on the ship, the I think it was the Ashland or the NASA or something like that. And after like the first day, somehow we run, we run out of fresh water. <laughs> like, sure. Why the hell not? That sounds so like, we, that sounds like an army or a Marine type thing. That doesn't sound like a thing that the Navy fuck up. That right, sounds like, like a thing like, that, that, that is their bread and butter. They should be squaring water at least. Yeah. Yeah, like like the Navy and the Air Force should have their shit together for you know their their budgets compared to de definitely the Marines who just you know get hand me downs and using Vietnam era rifles at sometimes, um, but on, on ship, so they limit us to like 10, 15 minutes of water in the morning to uh, you know shave, to do your hygiene stuff for the entire ship. So I'm, I'm in there one day and, and absolutely no showers at all. Like, of course not, like no showers. Like we need the water for, to drink and, and all that. But, um, so <laughs> it's like the second day we just ran out of water. I'm, I'm shaving at the sink and the, the, uh, the door just flies open. Like somebody just kicked through it, but this dude just like literally runs through the door and doesn't even make it like through the door before he's just spraying vomit everywhere. Like dude just covers everyone like shaving along. And uh, so, yeah, I kind of smelled like puke for the next three days after that, because what am I going to, I mean, just wipe it off with a baby wipe or, or something, you know, like, so that, that was my only experience on the ship because when we came back from Christmas leave, we had a battalion formation and our, uh, our new battalion CEO came out and he's like, we're still part of the 24th Mew. Like we get all the, the, the assets that we have, uh, tanks, LAR, um, the air wings, the, the, the helos and all that, our artillery battery, but we're flying straight to Afghanistan. And we're just like, okay like another another twist it's a big twist so yeah no more no more going on a float and you know this is january so we had the rest of that month and then february to kind of gear towards 
Afghanistan, except still, even then, we, we still had no idea what we were doing. Like where in Afghanistan, we were, where we were going to go, we didn't have a clue. So it could be uh, the mountains, which was rumored to be, I think, uh, oh man, my buddy was just telling me about this not too long ago, but I, I think it might've been the Korangal was where we might've been headed to. That was one of the rumored places, but mountains, some mountain place for sure. But then of course, as you know, we get there and, oh man, I can't leave out Manus Air Force Base because that place, it was like in Kyrgyzstan or something. And dude, this place was so cool. Like there are mountains surrounding it. Like I don't know, it must've been, I'd have to look at the map, but it had to have been like the Hindu Kush or something. And uh, the the people there were like, you know, they looked almost um, uh, like Mongolian or, or Chinese mm-hmm. and they spoke Russian. Like, you know, like it, it was weird seeing that dynamic and it was like, just cool. Like, you, you know, that, that, you know, although we got the Mew floating out around the Norway, Spain and all that, like going to Kyrgyzstan was kind of like a, a silver lining to yeah. that because a whole, whole completely different culture there. And it was, it was neat to kind of experience that for a week and my whole, dude, that base was hooked up. I mean, the chow hall, air force chow hall. And they have, <laughs> they had a bar on base with like a movie theater and, and, and the airmen, of course, they're bitching about like, Oh yeah, we can only have like two beers every Friday. And we're just like, Oh, bro. Hi, it's, it's the exact same over here. It's the exact same over here. They've gave the, the Air Force and the Navy royal status, which means that they get extra money and just all, a bunch of more attention. Royal Navy, oh. Royal Air Force, and the Army is just called the Army. <laughs> you guys you guys fucking suck. You smell bad. You're always in trouble. We're not giving you the royal status, so... Um, yeah we're the same as you boys we don't get as uh, half the funding that the air force get or the navy get and it's the same thing with those guys as well they're always bitching oh we don't have the latest movie in our cinema on on base it's like cinema on base but i only we only got internet on base in 2010 oh man yeah that's uh yeah you get the get the cold shoulder but hey in a way that's bragging rights i guess yeah you know Hey, what was your uh, what was the guy's thought process about about going to Afghanistan? What had you uh, what has you what had you heard, and what was your just overall thought process? Obviously, for the guys who had already been on a deployment, um, mm-hmm. was there talk around the guys of you know it's going to be rough or it's going to be a piece of cake compared to what we went through in Ramadi? Well, we, I mean, we just knew we were going to Afghanistan, so we weren't sure you know is this going to be looking more like um would this look like ramadi because when we finally did get to where we were going uh it made ramadi look like new york city in comparison because you're like you, you go back in time like 500 years in some of these spots in afghanistan bro like i mean you you you've been there like yeah. it's it's wild i don't have the words to describe it right and uh, I've told, you know, civilian people, especially women, it's the hardest to, to describe because I just say, think about a hot country 3,000 years ago with some cars and the most basic of technology in terms mm-hmm. of wiring for a light bulb. Like, that's what, that's what we're living in, or that's what they're living in 
in rural yeah. Afghanistan. That, and that's the best description I can describe it. But even that, that just doesn't do it justice, does it? It's, it's just not, not good enough. <laughs> yeah, it, man, there, you know, there's just so many things like we can do our best to try and describe it, but there's just no way you're going to fully grasp what we're talking about unless if you experienced it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, that's just one of those things, but, uh, so left, left Manus, um, which I mean, every, every place we went, like they always put the Marines the farthest away that they can. But like when we were coming out of Ramadi, we went and stopped at, uh, Al Takedum for, or TQ for, I think two or three days as like a, a, a decompression time period. And they put this, us in this place called hotel California, which, you know, what, whatever. Um, and that was so far away from like the chow hall, the PX, like, like it was just out in the sticks and there was no, there was no like, you know, public transport system. <laughs> so it was just walking everywhere. So, you know, it'd be like, all right, it's an hour to go to lunch. Better start walking. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so, you know, the good thing we we're only there for, for a few days and then left, but you know, it was the same thing at Manus. They put us like the furthest away from, from everything and you know, whatever, but the same thing would happen to us at CAF. But luckily, they did have a public transport system there because Kandahar, Kandahar Air Force field, or base was um, absolutely crazy. Like what? What um, like what fobs did you did you come through? Well, in two thousand and nine, I spent my whole deployment uh, operating out of CAF, so I know it very oh, well. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were doing. Oh, yeah. we were you, doing uh, you know the boardwalk and, and oh, all yeah. that. Oh yeah, we were doing yeah, um, yeah. Uh, aviation assaults, out, uh, aviation strike assaults out of CAF. Okay. So we were in for two days, out for three, in for one, out for one, out in for two days, out for a week, out and you know just mm -hmm. going out deploying on these fucking aviation air assaults. Um, you know, it was essentially an SF tasking, but with a full okay. bat with a full battalion. <laughs> so Sweet. we weren't we weren't dropping teams of twelve guys on a target. We were dropping fucking two companies, <laughs> two companies <laughs> of two hundred each on on a target. Yeah, that's for, great for four days at a time. So yeah um a very know, a very fancy role like amazingly mm -hmm. fucking uh lucky role to get um because there was only i think they only ran it for three three stints so it was the the royal marines uh no the i spoke to a guy in this ep so if you want to listen to the next podcast he'll talk about uh calf as well because he was in the oh right on. he was in cool. the uh the parachute regiment in 2008 in kandahar uh, oh, doing right. the exact same the role as us so yeah. he would have been there the same time as you and then okay. we uh, we ripped out the the Royal Marines I think it was four, uh, 40 commando um, Royal Marines so it was a battalion of powers battalion of Marines and then us that got that role and then I think it was disbanded after that so and you know there wasn't really the same thing going on in, in Camp Bastion either so, you know, the whole deployment, you know, the whole war in, in Afghanistan, so to speak, in terms of British big brigades or, or battle groups, we were the only three battle groups to get a role, you know, that fancy. Because it was, it was a, it was a, it was a really, really fancy role. And, you know, so and it was, did you guys have to like, um, like qualify, test out for that? Like, well, you, training? Would think, you would think so. 
uh, <laughs> you would think you would do some sort of air assault qualifications or whatever, but fuck no, they yeah. just. I mean, some guys, some guys had been deployed there and done, and would have been on that role and never have been on a helicopter before. And then mm-hmm. the first thing, you know, on my first deployment, I got there late. Um, I got there a month after the battalion had arrived. I came out of basic training, and my first air assault. We landed, and you know, it was such a fucking unique experience because you know when when you're in, in the in the UK, you've got to follow all the mandatory safety guidelines for going on a helicopter, and the seats have to be down, and you have to wear your seat belt, and no one's allowed to sit on the floor, bro. When we getting in these fucking seatbelts, yeah, on on the seats forty sevens. Oh man, I don't. I mean, that's I what I'm saying. Like you don't even, you don't even. <laughs> no, this is like in the UK. So when you're doing training oh, oh, oh. in the UK, you have to follow these, yeah, yeah. all these like super high oh, level safety okay. guidelines. When you get to Afghanistan, it's like right, the seats are folded up. Fucking no seatbelts because there are no seats. What you're going to do is you're going to light uh, face the back in three chocks, and you're going to sit on the floor. The guy in front of you, the guy in front of you, is going to sit in between your legs and then lean back with all his kit on so then we have like 40 guys full kit in the back of this uh chinook yeah and (laughs) we get in the call two minutes so the guys start getting up and you have to get up from the the guy nearest the ramp Mm -hmm. and then it's like right one minute and there's about three guys that are up after a minute (laughs) so then it you know the anyway the, the the situation was that we were all stood there with uh, about 30 seconds to go before we landed and you know we're all holding on to each other trying to stabilize each other and the fucking hell nothing nothing overhead to hang on to or, or anything well, or well no because it's all like you know you know yourself inside the chinook it's all exposed wiring and like uh hydraulic yeah, lines true. and everything so yeah, yeah. you're just holding on to each other and try to keep <laughs> try to keep yourself stable and you know for yourself you know yourself those pilots man they just fucking drop those things out the air so th- this guy must have dropped it about I don't know I'm I'm going to be generous and say about three meters four meters out of the air, and that thing just fucking slammed into the deck and then out of nowhere the forty guys that are stood up they're all in their arse they're all over the place <laughs> and then and then you're trying to get yourself together and your kit weighs about fucking eighty pounds and you're trying to get, pick yep. yourself up and run out and then get tactical straight away it's it's just an absolute shit show but. Yeah, no training whatsoever for me. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't even think the whole oh, battalion are training. It was right, right okay. We we'll get some USMC fucking door gunner to to take you through about the you know the mm. rock drills prior, and that's it. You know, you get a ten minute um, you know kind of show around the the Chinook, and that's probably the training that that you get. But yeah, no formal training. Um, mm. But an, an amazing role, and and Kandahar was a, a fucking trip as well, like like you said like um we're coming from from absolute poverty and then we get to kandahar and it's like jesus christ what the fuck is going on here get yourself to the american cookhouse and you know they've got and and this sounds so daft this sounds so stupid but you've got free cans of soda uh and you've got like make your own burger or or at at the burger bar or you can get a steak cooked for you at your own you know how you like it well done medium rare whatever or you can wait in line and get fried chicken cooked for you. It's just like all of that shit. Like we just do not have in the UK. Nothing. Right. Right. I. I mean, that place was. I, I mean, I called it a NATO party <laughs> because Some- that's just what it was. It was just like everybody who was there. I mean, 
I mean, you, you would see everyone like South Koreans, the French, um, you know, we saw like so, some of the Gurkha dudes that were there. Yeah. Um, you guys, obviously Canadians, Germans and, and all these, and all those people would just congregate and there would be like all these festivities, like every night there was something going on at the boardwalk, whether it was volleyball or soccer, rugby, um, entertainment. They had like, uh, you know, like stand-up comedian night or something. It's just like, what is all this? Like, I, I was there. Are, I was there. The, are, aren't we at war? I was there. <laughs> I was there the year after you, and they had, uh, you know, like an ice rink, but it had obviously no ice. But you know, guys would go there and play uh, rollerblade and roller hockey or whatever it's called, and and they mm -hmm. had a Tim Hortons there, and I was like, yes, you know that t oh, Tim, Tim Hortons. That was the first time I had ever drunk coffee voluntary, voluntarily. Oh, really? Yeah. And well, I guess, the, I, yeah, it's all. You know, you guys are like, I mean, you, all tea um i guess so yeah but like i just was i was 18 yeah. years old we ain't fucking drinking coffee at 18. <laughs> uh but uh uh tim horton's uh vanilla latte that was the first time i had that thing and oh, it man. was fucking out of this world uh anytime but, we were in there we'd get a tim horton's and try and get a, try and get some subway when they had lettuce yeah yeah it, i mean to even call that coffee kind of just it, that, that's all sugar dude like you know <laughs> <laughs> it's just straight up all sugar and, and don't get me wrong it's delicious i i yeah why not they're they're good but um man the I, what i'm talking about timmy hortons though or uh, we call them uh, like timmy ho-hos and their cookies dude their cookies were delicious like we would uh me and me and my buddy um we would always get cookies and we slept next, like our cots were right next to each other in our, in our hooch. And <clears throat> we'd, I'd wake up some, some nights and he would just be sitting up on his, on his rack, just eating a cookie. <laughs> 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 we just kept them in, in stock. Like, oh man, those are, those are really good. But, uh, but yeah, dude, calf was just, just, a, just seemed like a party. And, um, you know, we would get the, the rocket attacks from, every pretty often you know especially in the middle of the night to wake everyone up because they they know like the whole the whole base gets woken up and uh you know you got to go and gear up or go to a bunker and um was, was it still like that in 2009 for you guys when you were there yeah it was uh I, you know i i don't want to take a claim out of anything but i think it was pretty pretty bad in 2009 uh, i think that was more so the peak for pretty much the whole of afghanistan and it was like you know it was really ramping up at around calf as well um we had some yeah. un some unique events going where we were there and there was a, there was actually a, a harrier jump jet pilot who who's who crash landed on the runway because his landing gear couldn't on you know unfold so he had to like mm -hmm. try and land and skid the thing but It'll it didn't slide. work and he had to fucking uh eject out as he was like flying down oh. the, like skidding down the runway um you know and and then yeah like you said the rocket attacks and bro fucking hell some of the boys are are, are crazy so like the alarm would go off and what most what most people would do is find a little bit of cover and just get in it 
But what right. boys would, but what you know, we'd be fucking at the at the top end of Kandahar, walking to lunch or walking to dinner, and it'd be like, fuck this, I'm not fucking getting down on the ground for this shit. And they'd just keep walking, um, and then there would be boys on top of ISOs trying to look to see where the rockets are landing. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the boys didn't boys didn't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't take us long before we were just like, you just, I mean, we would we got. Like some of us would get chewed out and for doing it, but yeah, a lot of a lot of us just like started just like rocket attack, just roll over, like eh, I'm not going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, so shoot, how long? So we were we were at CAF for like a week or maybe two weeks even. I think we left on like April twenty fourth, and that's. And when we finally found out, we were going to um, this place called Garmser in Helmand Province. That's when we started training for like, um, like open terrain warfare. Uh, but we knew we were going to be going into like a place with some some buildings, right? So we we were able to plan and just like get this whole operation Zato Wosa built up planned out everybody got their their roles in the like the main effort the main effort was going to be um to clear this road leading up to this building called the madrasa which is um pashtun for school but it's like a it's, it's an islamic school and in this case it was a school for the taliban as most madrasas are or were back then so the main effort was to clear the road with eod with um first and third squads of second platoon as uh the guys that were going to be protecting the flanks and and doing most of the the maneuvering while eod cleared any ieds that that were on the street because they're definitely worrisome so first and third platoon would be on the north side of the street and they would be going through like this small village they'd be clearing out this small village and um so then on the south side I was running like a, just protecting the flanks from the south and the east because that's if they were going to get reinforcements they're going to be coming up from there because that's where Juggroom Fort was was to the south yeah. so they would be coming up from there. So it was my squad. I was second squad uh, squad leader with second platoon Gold Steel, and I had attached to my squad a team of. Uh, mortarmen, a team of machine gunners, so like four guys each for each team, a team of assault men, which were the, the rocket bubba's explosives guys, and, and then uh, I want to say it was a f no, five or six man team of snipers also that, that were attached. So all together we were pushing like 25, 30 guys with our corpsmen, and then we also had uh, our, our platoon sergeant attached to us. So we would be doing like this southern, uh, protecting the southern flank and then denying any reinforcements coming up from the southeast. So <clears throat> before all this kicked off, we drove for three days through the middle of the desert in the back of seven tons. And it was absolutely miserable. <laughs> just sitting in the back of a seven ton, just bouncing along the whole time, like, you, there is nothing you could do like 
we had our, we actually used our goggles for the first time in ever. So we used our goggles to try and keep the, the sand and the dust out because it was just constant barrage of just, it was like a sandstorm moving in a straight line, you know? So we'd stop every night. We'd, you know, form like a big secure perimeter. There'd be posts in, the, in all the turrets and, and, and all that. We'd sleep on the trucks or sleep on the ground. Um, <laughs> one of my buddies got stung by a scorpion, so he came back up into the back of our seven ton where Doc was. Uh, Doc Gary, what's up? Shout out, dude. Uh, Doc Gary also was the guy who um, was with Utley back in back in Iraq, and that dude made like a legit Medal of Honor run. I forgot to mention that talking about Iraq, but um, man, like I said, dude, there there's so much that I just. I, you know, it wasn't like I meant to leave it out, but there's just so much. Like yeah. it's, it's you trying can only, to... You can only fit so much in such a short period of time. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's like, Ramadi was like a fire hose of just <laughs> craziness. And and so, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to talk about um, Doc Gary because he... Dude, like what he did that day with Utley, like, I mean, he ran from the rear vehicle to the, the front vehicle under fire the whole time and you know got Utley out basically organized like the like get Utley into the high back uh use the high back to push the other vehicle out of the way all while all while they're just taking contact and you know they're everybody else is doing their best to like shoot back and, and cover fire but um you know that dude definitely definitely saved more than just one life that day um but so <laughs> So Doc Gary is on the back of the seven ton with me when this other third, the third squad leader comes up. He's like, Gary, I got stung by a scorpion and it's, and it's by my penis. <laughs> and Gary, he gets, he gets so pissed. He's like throwing, he's throwing shit on the seven ton. He's like, how the hell do you get scorpion by? Now I have to look at your balls and I'm, ah. <laughs> If I, oh, if I was the medic and I was with a bunch of Marines, I would not be fucking surprised if there was something nefarious going on there with a, with a scorpion being, oh, being stung on the penis. There's definitely a story there as to whether that was <laughs> going to be true or not, man. Fucking mm -hmm. hell. But, um, oh, man. That, that, oh, that was funny. So we do the whole truck thing, and then um, we, we flew into Bastion on CH-46s, and then from Camp Bastion, we drove out to, uh, what is it, Fort Dwyer? You ever been there? Fort Dwyer, Dwyer. yeah. That, 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 for me, was a U.S. Marine Corps base. Uh, and it was near the end of my 2009 deployment that we went there. So, like, uh, end, okay. of the, end, of the, end of the summer, sort of like, I don't know, when would that have been? October, I want to say, something like that. October 2009, okay. I was in Fort Dwyer. But he, that oh, was a, that was Marine Corps base. I've got a funny story about Dwyer, but I don't know if uh, I should tell it now or later on. We used for uh, for Dwyer as an assembly area to forward mount to to do a big strike op out, out there, and I don't have a clue where what the Cali was that we'd done a big operation on. Um, we were clearing this village, and it was a it was like a shopping district, and mm -hmm. um, that that was like a I cannot. Uh, 
fucking up there was nothing really going on but you know it was still busy so it's right you know 2009 was fucking mad and that was one of the the lesser ops that you would want to talk about um out of all of them but anyway mm-hmm. the thing about fob dwyer was it was a U- u.s marine corps base and um <clears throat> so we and they had a fucking runway in there at the time like a, a legit airplane runway it was that big um so okay we, so this is definitely they did a lot of work in between that yeah. because there there was because we did end up going there and staying like that's when we got to like take a hot shower for the first time in like <laughs> three months or something like that but uh yeah that definitely must have expanded that a lot yeah so we we flew in there in c-130s uh and it was a full battalion no hold on mm-hmm. Yeah, it must have been the full battalion. Yeah, it was definitely the full battalion that we used. And uh, we flew in there in C-130s, and we got there, and it was like, same thing. It was like, they threw us in some random part of the fucking camp that, you know, was completely derelict, and uh, they put us in these, <laughs> f- like, company-sized uh, tents. They were they were like um, like carnival tents, like circus tents, but just full, full of cot beds. And mm-hmm. yep. um, there was a, just a big... Same, pat- same thing, bro. Yeah, there was just a big pallet of MREs out the front, uh, and I remember the 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 more the most interesting thing about Fob Dwyer was that MREs was like the the first time I'd personally had them, but it was like an opportunity for something different, just for change. Like right. you're either on rations or you're you know British rations or you're on you know hot 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 scoff. So we ended mm-hmm. up getting these uh, MREs. <clears throat> um, that was the second day we were there, and that was uh, I think we ended up leaving that night on the op but the f- the first day we got there we had been traveling for so long that we had missed lunch and evening meal so we, okay. we had had breakfast before we left and then we got there at night after dinner so when we got there there was no cookhouse open and they never had like a like what most american bases do is they have like a midnight meal we don't have yep. that in the british army or even just in, in the british military we don't have the midnight meal um so the whoever was there was like oh um you guys might might want to check out the uh the baguette bar maybe you can get get yourself something there and it was a marine that's that told us that we could do mm-hmm. that so i don't know if you realized that 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 word would spread around a full fucking battalion but we went a full battalion through this baguette bar and i think the baguette bar was there for people who were in between shifts that would miss like a meal time they could go to the baguette bar and it was like a help yourself service um right. honesty bar type deal mm-hmm. and after about five minutes of that word being spread around it was completely ransacked and we took literally every single thing that was in that that whole uh that whole billet all mm-hmm. of the food that was in the baguette bar all of the little sashes of gatorade that was there literally if there was packets of salt or fucking pepper the boys were taking it so anyway we got our balls busted for that and then about an hour later the guys find a like a welfare tent and it's got little things in there like a like an xbox and and they had guitar hero and we'd been in there 15 minutes and the guitar hero got broken oh man and then yeah and then that's uh, why the that's why the grunts can't have nice things (laughs) (laughs) it definitely wasn't infantry proof um and then so we got so we got banned so I guess a marine came in and found out that we broke his fucking uh, his guitar hero, and uh, someone came round and they banished us, and we were confined <laughs> to these tents. We were confined to these uh, big carnival tents for the whole 
the whole evening, the rest of the evening, and the oh, whole yeah. day the next day, uh, because we weren't <laughs> trusted to be allowed to be roaming around their camp. Um, and then we ended up leaving on the on on the helicopters from there, and I thought my helicopter was going to crash. One of the pipe pipes of uh, hydraulic fluid burst and covered one of the guys just before oh. he just before he ended up going on an op, and it was literally like fluid like covered. I mean, like just a oh. pipe of just pouring on as one guy and of course it's the one guy in the whole platoon that you you know that's going to happen to you know everyone's got the oh, it, yeah. it, it was that guy that, that got covered it was uh and he he was fucking cut like just filthy for the next couple of days you can imagine like the the fine sand just sticking to that that oil or whatever but oh, man, man that was uh that was us at u.s marine corps base fob dwyer 2009 breaking our guitar hero um and nice, we got we got nice. banned from it <laughs> <laughs> well well done well yeah. done i i am yes uh yeah so like it must have been just uh I, I mean i don't it wasn't even like designated a fob back back when we were there it was like we i think it was like we called it fort dwyer or something like that yeah. but um uh yeah definitely because yeah because we did fly out of there so they must have been working on that airstrip because when we came back in October because we went back in like August or something and, and then we wouldn't go back to Dwyer until October but um that's that's probably when they like built that in between they had a runway but they never had a perimeter wall <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah it wasn't that well advanced okay so it was just it was outside of it I mean there was there was I, a man, sen there was Sanger positions around the runway but they just hadn't built the whole fob properly yet. They just, I guess, were in, in the middle of making it still. Oh, right on. Okay. Um, yeah, so so we're stuck on the outside of Dwyer, and we we leave that next that next morning, and um, you know we we'd been practicing like like dry runs, doing dry run, runs on like what our what it might look like, which, as you know, you, you can plan and prep and do all that. But as soon as you you start, like the plan is basically thrown out the window. So that, that's basically what what happens with us is uh, we go and we link up with a like a recon squad or recon platoon, and they're they're supposed to give us like all this information about like uh, the enemy, like numbers, like what to expect, like what weapons do they have, and all that. And I go up to the building that they're at and, you know, just knock on the door, you know, give them a little heads up on the radio that we were coming, knock on the door. And one of the guys answers and he's just like, what's up? I'm like, well, we're, we're finally here. Like, what do you, what do you have for us? Like, you got any, got any intel? Like what's going on? And he's just like, yeah, we don't know how many people are around here. We think it's a lot. Um, where are you guys walking? I'm like, down this path. Like, you know where we're going. Like, you know our objectives, like where we need to go. And he's just like, yeah, I'd probably stick to the path. We think it's a minefield, but we're not sure. All right, man. Like, um, see you later. So I, I went I went back and, you know, got all the, the team leaders and everyone together and, and told them, like, well, I – I don't know what that was all about, but we, we're basically at, at the same spot we were when we came here. We, we have no idea what to expect. So uh, the plan was um, 
I was going to put a, I put a machine gun team, the machine gunners in front, because if we take, took any contact at all, I'd want them to lay down a base of fire and then everybody from there would like move around them. And I was right behind the, the machine gun team. And immediately about 50, 50 meters in, because, you know, we got the call to, to step off. So first and third platoon are on the north side. They're starting their advance towards the village. EOD and the first and third squads of second platoon are on the, the road on the main drag. And um, I know you know all this, but just for any any listener out there, and in Afghanistan, every major road had uh, wadis on either side, usually flanking the road, just running right alongside of it. So there would be a lot of, like, foot bridges going across, uh, the wadis and then um, so we were on the south side so we're we're separated from everybody with this wadi which is it was a pretty pretty deep deep one and um, full of water so we were basically on our own on the south side and we started making our advance and 50 meters in we see this IED and it has like these two giant like they they must have been like 81 millimeter like a loom flare mortars yeah. and you know will, will it keep and you know God, that's, that's the last thing i want is to deal with white phosphorus on on my end uh but you know so we called it in and they're just like all right well uh, you guys need to keep moving because you know the, the on the north side there's they're still advancing and we don't want to get you know too far ahead or too far behind on, on any anywhere and i was just like all right you know and they're just like hey you know, it's just like, hey, I, I just came from Ramadi. Like, I, don't, I have an idea of what to look out for, but this is a completely different, like, this is dirt and grass and weeds and a wadi. <laughs> and it, it's not a, it's not a street covered in, in shit and trash and sewage water and, and all that. Which, you know, oddly enough, even without all that, it still smelled like shit in Afghanistan. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, everywhere you went, it's just like, it smelled, it just kind of smells like shit. Um, so we're, we're moving past this uh, IED and, you know, we, we dropped a 10-digit grid so EOD could pick it up when they got there because um, on the south and the north, we would work a little bit ahead of the, you, the main effort on the just, road. Just mark and avoid it. Yep, yeah. yep. So... We, we just marked it, uh, went past it, and, you know, we'd, we'd always train, you know, especially since Ramadi, try and always step in the same footsteps as the guy in front of you. So we were, there was no, there wasn't enough room between the, the suspected minefield and the, the route, and the path that we were on, and then the wadi on the other side. So we, we stuck to a ranger column, so just single file, no double column or anything like that. So we're just a single column you know, spread out, dispersed, and long story short, we, we make it to our first objective, and we, we set up, and we're, we're ahead of everyone now, so we're, like, our first objective is um, maybe two, three hundred meters from, like, our initial step-off point, so, it, you know, it wasn't very long for us to get there, and before that, that was when I saw that I, I can't remember the name of the, the British outpost that was there, but that was like that little, like just a, a few sets of in tiers of HESCO barriers. And, and, you know, I saw like three helmets like sitting there and, yeah. you know, like, eh. <laughs> 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 waving. <laughs> but I was just like, Oh my God, like, is that, is that it? Like, where's, where, where's the rest of them? But, um, but yeah, we can come back to that. Uh, so 
it's not very long until we get to our first objective and we set in and true to form, like every, like I'm kind of known as like a guy that is, is on a really good schedule with, uh, you know, taking a, a, a deuce and it, like, lo and behold, it's like, you know, seven, seven thirty in the morning. And, uh, you know, it's like first light and, you know, that, that time comes and I just, I just got to go. So, you know, I, I go do my business and everybody's set up in place and like, dude, like as soon as I'm done, it's it like, all right, it kicks off. And so as soon as I'm done, I go back up to the, to the front and it's, we're looking towards the Northeast and we can see buildings from the village. And there's like this little, it's, I don't even think it was a minaret because it just looked like you know, the mud walls and it's just like this mud obelisk sticking hmm. up with like a, a flat top with like a little window and it has like a little half-ass drape type thing fl- fluttering from the, from the breeze. And right away, like, I was just like, yeah, we got to watch that for sure. Like that is, you know, that looks suspicious as hell. So I have both of the, the 240 gunners like set up and, and this building's like half rubble, half built up. Um, there's a like a big walled in room to the south that the snipers went to and they immediately just started punching rat holes into the wall to get their guns through and you know get their optics up. Yeah. So they're they're doing their thing. Um I you know, the mortar mortars guys are getting their like um all their tubes and stuff ready, any rounds, you know, just getting prepared. The assault guys are just kind of chilling, just like, dude, just point us in the direction you need a rocket, and we'll, we'll do it. Like, cool. So everybody's just doing probably, probably filling doing, sandbags. No, we didn't have sandbags then, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it was uh, unlucky for we you. Were, yeah, yeah, lucky for them. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, we wouldn't we wouldn't actually be there very long, but um, so it was. probably within 10 minutes of getting to our objective when we would take contact and and i and i knew that minaret or that obelisk whatever the hell you want to call that thing i knew that thing was going to be trouble and immediately like you saw like an unnatural movement and that little fluttering thing and i was just like okay uh, I had one of, I, <laughs> it was Tom. So Tom, I have, I'm like, get a, get a smoke to a, like smoke grenade 203 and, and you're it, be ready to go. Cause like, we're going to mark this target. And as soon as he, as soon as we saw like that, that weird movement, I was like, Tom, like pop, pop smoke on that thing. What's so, your, what's your 203? Is that UGL? So the 203 is a 40 millimeter, um, grenade yes. so it's it's the same round that goes through the mark 19 yeah uh, we call it a ugl under song grenade launcher uh just under under the barrel of the rifle oh okay yeah so yeah that's yeah that's 203 exactly um so he shoot he pops this 203 smoke grenade and like one one in a billion chance of this happening because literally at the same time he shot that <laughs> it was either first or third i can't remember who but they shot an AT4 
And like they meet at the exact same point and the AT4 is dead on, just hits that, hits that thing. It just explodes and it shoots that uh, smoke grenade, just flying out. You could just see it like spinning <laughs> with the smoke coming out. Like, oh man, it was rad. But, uh, but that, that's what would kick off the, the firefight. And that, I mean, that firefight, you know, this was, it was basically like a, a 36 hour gun battle. Um, that would start in early in the morning, go on through the night, and then carry on into the next day. Uh, so we started taking contact uh, from the, the the north. They were like they they knew where we were, but with first and third platoon, they quickly uh, redirected their fire. So we started taking fire from the south. So the the snipers went to work. Um, our mortars went to work, uh, shooting handheld mortars. Um, and you know, that's where my three shots came from. And, and then after that, I mean, it was just directing fire and, um, I tried to call in air on some, and some guys that had, uh, we couldn't tell cause they were so far away, but they had shovels over their back. But, you know, from our distance, we were like, eh, they could be RPG tubes, but, um, uh, we had a helo flyover and they're just like, yeah, they're just farmers that are just watching. <laughs> like, yeah. You're just seeing what happens. So I was like, all right, you know, cool. And so eventually as EOD on the main road pushes further, uh, the first and third platoons up North are working their way through the town, which I mean, they're just throwing grenades, rockets, machine guns. Like it's, it's just chaos everywhere. Um, so we get we get the call to finally because we have to move to a second objective, which would be like our our final destination for this for this op. It's like my my group's objective, main main objective. So you know it was like the same thing. Like now we have to cross this open field to another building, and to the south we've been taking fire. Uh, we we took some RPGs. Uh, one came like flying right right past me on this uh, broken down wall that I was next to. Yeah, and it just flew past my face, and it actually would go across the road and blow up somewhere near third platoon because the platoon sergeant from third platoon was like, "Yeah, we had like a RPG come from this like south and blew like up right next to us," and I was just, I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." I think that flew right past me before it hit you guys. Like that's, that's freaking nuts. And then like, there was some other RPGs that would like, you know, who knows how old those things are. And they, not a, they a would leave the pin straight. They wouldn't know how that, to, to, to operate them sometimes. They, and they yeah. would leave the, the pin in them. Uh, yep. We had a bunch of them fired at us where, you know, one was like, you know, I don't know, five, 10 meters away from us as we were patrolling. It came mm -hmm. literally right the length of the whole patrol. And it was just above our heads, but it went through the tree line. Like there was literally like trees. If you imagine those patrolling parallel along with the trees, it went through the tops of the trees and then mm. ended up bouncing and land, uh, hitting the top of a wall and bouncing and landing in the middle of the courtyard of a house or a compound. Yeah. And um, yeah, we just fucking left it. Uh, we had no reason to stay there. But, um, mm. you know, they obviously hadn't took the pin out. To, to arm that thing and that happened mm -hmm. quite a few times so had they understood how to, how to operate their their weapons better they probably would have been a bit more effective but um right. yeah we also had them when they did fucking take the pins out you know 
and uh, caused caused us a bit of, bit of trouble. But um, yeah, they, they they can be pretty accurate as well with those things. Yeah, yep. They, uh, some of them know what they're doing. You know, it's not all uh, not all Taliban are, are created equally, I guess. So, uh, and and kind of you know, good thing for us. Like, exactly. yeah, keep, keep forgetting to pull those pins, guys. Yep. Um, so this other one, like, just spun up, like, high up into the air and, like, just exploded like a firework. So I was like, oh, that was kind of cool. But so we got the call to move to our second spot. So it was, like, the same thing. Um, if we we're going to take contact, you know, I want the machine gunners ready to set down a base of fire and everybody will just start hauling ass past them to this, to this objective. So... I don't know if we just got extremely lucky or timed it right or what, but we, we didn't get any contact going to this next building. Um, so that, that was a huge burden off of my shoulders. Like I was, I was so worried about that, that movement, but um, yeah, made it over there to the second building and you know, same exact thing. Everybody's just got to work um, snipers putting holes in the walls and getting their optics up. This is probably around, noon of that day so i mean it is freaking hot dude like <laughs> it's so hot and we had these vests that they must have thought we were going to the mountains because there were these vests that had this wool lining across the top of the shoulders and like down part of the back wool jesus christ and then and then there's like the the this cummerbund that went around the entire side and there was like a, a Velcro that you, like you lift up and then you slap the Velcro sides on and then you put that down and it's like cinched in. So this thing is just designed to keep heat in and it was brutal. It, it sucked. Like it was so hot inside that damn thing. I seen your, uh, you put an Instagram post up about that, didn't you on the death, death walkers page? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's something one. up there about that. And, um, you know, it, it would take until after all of our all of our fighting was basically done before we got those um, those plate carrier things that, I, that legit felt like wearing a bikini top compared to this <laughs> thing. Like this thing, this thing felt like a, a parka, wearing a parka around. So it, it's hot, um, you know conserve water we don't know when we're going to be getting more and 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 all that thing um we went through quite a few mortars at the first spot so we we're consolidating all, all of our ammo and um you know sending up reports to to hire um but then uh we got we got a little break and i think that's why we got so lucky moving out in the open was because you know like we were saying with iraq you know they they attack on a schedule you know, they want to take a break too. Like it's hot for them as well. So we got a little break in there and then probably around like mid afternoon, things really started to pick up up North. And, um, we were, we'd, we'd been waiting for EOD to keep clearing because they, they just kept finding shit on the road that they had to disarm. So <clears throat> we start getting a lot of traffic coming up north i mean pickup trucks mopeds with like two or three guys on them ak's rpg tubes on the back and you know all those the street that they're coming up on is like depending on where they're at 
anywhere from like 300 to 600 meters away. And we had our, one of our snipers on the 50 just rocking. And I mean, he would, he'd be saying the funniest shit. We'd be like, Hey, what do you got? And he's like, and he's from, he's from Cuba. So it's like kind of broken English, but he's like, I got uh, two guys coming up on a moped RPG AK. And then he'd shoot. And then we'd be like, (laughs) all right, dude, like what, what do you have now? He's like, where are they? Oh, they're not there no more. (laughs) We're like, (laughs) I mean, what did he have? AS 50. What's that? What what did he have? Uh, as a, as he's, it was a Barrett. Barrett. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, that thing was just every time it shot, I, you knew like that. It has such a distinct sound. Um, but the other snipers are going, our 240s, like, we had to, like, keep pulling them back out, replace it with a software a little bit just to, like, clear out the dust and, and all that, lube it up again. Because, I mean, those things were just uh, – we, we, dude, we carried so much ammo. Like, yeah. all of us, every, every person that was part of our group carried at least two mortars, um, some 240 ammo, and then all of, all of your own stuff. So – I mean, we were loaded down with, you know, we had our, our day packs on, which is just a, a backpack. Um, you know, we had our, our chow, our water, our own ammo, uh, everything that we could need for, because they said like, hey, like prepare it. Like this is going to be a seven to 10 day mission and we're going to pull you guys out and you'll be relieved. So we're like, oh, all right. Like seven to 10 days, that's doable. So that's, that's all we prepared for, you know, not, you know, we didn't bring any shaving stuff like that. That wasn't that important. So, um, yeah, so we, I mean, we're just going through ammo and then we start getting like, um, we start getting just probing fire. So we, we, you know, shoot back, we let our gun positions, you know, give those away. So we started making like more rat holes around the building and then trying to set in like reinforce, like this is where those sandbags would have come in handy, but mm-hmm. we didn't have any. So, we're just doing the best I can to set it, set things up. And then towards the end of that night, um, we just have, cause that day, dude, we had, we had our own mortar, uh, like support for, with, with our company, cold steel rain. And those guys, I mean, those guys did work. Like they, they were just shooting off mortars all the time. And and then we'd have air come on station and they'd have to halt. And then right as soon as like the air, whatever, helo or fixed wing, as soon as they left, they'd just be right back on their next fire mission. Like it was, it was awesome. And, and then um, towards the end of the night, I mean, dude, still like the, the snipers up to the North first and third platoon. I mean, they're just in heavy engagements this whole time from, from like two or three o'clock on. And then it's starting to, uh, it's like dusk is setting in and I'm looking towards the east and where the madras is. And there's like another big, it must've been like a little village compound behind it. And I just see dude, just, just men and just dressed like head to toe in black and all their dish dash, you know, man pajama stuff. And they're just running back and forth. And I mean, you can just tell they're just, lugging ammo guns everything yeah. they can carry and they're just getting it out of the madrasa and like carrying it somewhere and i'm just like like i call it in i'm like you know i call in a, a nine or 
not nine line, uh, call for fire mission. And I'm just like, they're this, it's just crawling. Like they're all out in the open. It's crawling and cold steel rain. I mean, those dudes were good. Because what did you they, call they, mortars? They, yeah. Yeah. So I called mor- mortars and, and, you know, the first, the first round just hits like right in the middle and then they just fire for effect and they shot six, six HE mortars and then six Willie Pete mortars. And I mean, what's a Willie Pete more? Uh, white phosphorus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that, that was, that was, that was crazy to like be the person to call that in and then just watch its, <laughs> its effects. And like, oh man, that was, that was crazy. Did you, uh, so, did you have any artillery assets available? No, I, I wouldn't imagine we, you would we did. Yeah, we did. And, and I'll get, I'll get to that when we get the jug room for it. Like that <laughs> is, right. uh, yeah, Artie, Artie was legit. Um, so that as we, as a, the sun sets and it gets darker, they halt on the road and the, the gun battle to the north is still raging and we're still uh, getting more probing fire to the south. So we're just popping off some handheld mortars going to the south to just say, you know, like piss off, leave us alone or, you know, we're going to find you eventually. So things kind of settled down for, for our location and that's when, um, no, we wouldn't get resupplied until the next day. So we were, we were on our own that night. Um, like I don't, nobody was up to where we were. Uh, so I think we were the furthest unit East and then EOD and the, the rest of the second platoon stopped. Uh, and then first and third platoons were still, I mean, they were, they were Taliban trying to move in on them and like, you know, throw grenades and trying to get a fast one in and they, you know, they weren't taking any of it. So we had, we had Apaches on station. So a lot of those movies that we have are these Apaches just shooting hellfires down into, into this village and, um, you know, really, really close quarter combat for, for a lot of those guys up North. Um, for us down to the South, I mean, as soon as, darkness fell i had some of the team leaders come up to me and they're like hey can we set out some trip flares and claim wars i'm like absolutely like for sure <laughs> like, yes <go."> please <laughs> yeah have it have at it guys like have at it um so they're so they you know we punched out a few guys to the cover and and watch watch out for them and hey, just, up our post. just quick just sorry to interrupt you but anytime i knew no, no. It, anytime i knew you had a, a claimer on a position the first thing, the first thing I would ask when I was up, going up there on on, on Sentry is like, "Where's the clacker? Where's the clacker at?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> gotta I, know that. Stuff. I always wanted, I always wanted to know where the clacker was, in the hope that <laughs> I would fucking for the for the love of God be able to hit that thing off. Yeah, never, Hell got, yeah, never, got, never got a chance. No, no, me neither. Um, <laughs> so we we settled in for the night on the south side and. Um, and, and throughout the night, periodically, like they would get uh, first and third platoons would get movement. Uh, it was it was pretty much all quiet on our our side of things. Um, we were we just watched the show to the north whenever we got a chance. Yeah. So, um, so throughout the night, it's just spotty firefights throughout the entire night. And, like no one really got any sleep. Helos would come overhead and and shoot some hellfires, and it's like, oh yeah, everyone's awake. 
Um, so the next day it came and uh, the, they started pushing again. Um, and, and this was, I mean, it was basically over like once the sun came up and we found out like they, they evacuated. Like when I, when I dropped that mortar strike, like, I don't know, they, they must've just waited until night and just completely stop what if they, what they were doing because I'm not quite sure why we stopped and held up and just didn't push through because we definitely could have, but I don't, for some odd reason, we waited for daylight to, to finish the push on the actual madrasa. So it wasn't, it was like an hour or two after the sun rose and they're like, yeah, we secured the madrasa. And that was finally when, um, cause they, they wouldn't send out a resupply. I guess they, I don't know, but so my, one of my buddies who was a, um, a squad leader back in Ramadi, he, he just like, was like, Hey, like he called me over the, our Motorola. Cause the Motorola's would be like, you know, in a intra platoon and in a, in a squad radios instead yeah. of the, the green gear that would call over like all, all freaking battalion can hear that, but the Motorola's you kind of can just talk more like formally or not informally. And, um, so he, he just, he called me up and he's like, Hey bro, like, what do you need? I'm like, dude, I need water. I need seven, six, two link, um, more mortars, like anything, basically anything you can get me. Like we're, we're short on everything. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, Roger that I got you. So he just, he just runs out, like loads up his Humvee runs out to me and like his guys, like whoever's with them in the, in the gun truck, they just come out and start unloading all this, all this gear, all this water, MREs. And they're just tossing it over the wadi at us. And, you know, I, we have, I had a couple guys like in the wadi to like trying to grab it and bring it over and make a chain. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, like thank God for that dude. And, uh, and thank you, by the way. Um, I can't say that enough to that guy. About another couple hours pass and uh, we, we don't, we don't hear anything like when you, when you need to know, you know, need to know basis when I need to know, they'll, they'll tell me. So they don't tell me anything. And, um, eventually we get a call and it's just saying like, Hey, uh, first and third squads are coming to your location. I'm like, all right, cool. Like a platoon reunion. All right. So they, they come walking in and it's like, you know, we immediately just start telling each other stories about what we did and, and all that. And, um, so we ended up actually staying at that position for like a week or so and that's when we kind of learned like that whole seven to ten day thing that was some bullshit (laughs) 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 Uh, yeah so we we operated out of that that spot for a week or two <clears throat> just as a platoon strength yep. yeah so we would we would punch out patrols to the south where we were taking all that contact from and that is either the second or the third day we were there after all the fighting was done when we when i punched out a patrol with my squad to the south and we were going to go through this this whole village and just see what we could find and as we're going through there, like we see, um, 
I, I could have, I, I could swear I saw like a head in a window and it just ducked out of the way. And then like, I'm, I'm talking to my lieutenant. I'm like, I, I think we should really, we need to go and like check this out. Like there's somebody in that building, like for sure. And he's just like, look to the North dude. And I look North and I'm like, holy shit. Like sandstorms coming in. He's like, we got to haul ass back to our, our outpost. Like we don't want to be caught. Like we're not prepared for uh, a sustained firefight if we get stuck down here. And I was just like, all right, fair enough. Hey. So the, that, the whole time, I, you know, I point out that building and I'm like, yeah, everyone let me, let me watch st- Let me stop. Let me stop yeah, you right yeah. there. I think I know exactly what's coming, but I just want to let you know that I might have had the exact same scenario play out, but I want to hear the rest of the oh, story. Oh, really? I want to hear the rest of the story okay. just to confirm if I'm right or not. Um. So So I was I was really adamant, like, we need to go check this out. Like, and I, and, dude, I don't know. I was probably too cocky, a little cavalier, but I... I just, I just wanted to fight and I wanted to go check this building out. And you know, my LT, he overruled me and he's like, no, we're going back to our outpost. And I'm like, like, fine. Like, so I point out the building to everyone and I'm like, guys, do not take your eyes off. I want somebody's eyes on this building at all time where we're walking away from it. Cause we have to, we have to punch back up North through this open field because that's all that's separating us is just a bunch of brush and, and grass. And, you know, I was half expecting to run into in, into some bunkers or something or like some trenches or or anything because they like some of the spots they were shooting at us from the south were pretty damn close like um so I, we never never did find anything but that dude that sandstorm those things were rolling fast like I I we we I I remember like talking to my point man and I was just like dude like lock on to the direction of that building and don't freaking lose it, dude. Like, to walk in a straight damn line. Like, that is your only job right now. Walk in a damn straight line. And he's like, you know, he's just this old old country boy. And he's like, you got it, Sergeant. I'm like, sweet. Like, and, and, he, and he did, man. Like, like th- this is why he was the point, man. Because he's just like this old, uh, he was older Marine. I think he was like 25 or 26 when he joined. So he's like, I don't know, 27 at this time. And he had been like a rancher, uh, a bull rider, you know, just a good old country boy, yeah. outdoorsman, big hunter. And I was just, you know, this is a perfect man for this job. And he loved every second of it. And he did great. Like, he walked back in a straight line. But, dude, we couldn't see shit. Like, like as soon as that sandstorm hit, like, everything was just disappeared. It's just a fog. And you're just walking aimlessly. So... We eventually we we all we make it back in and sorry if you if you were expecting something else like that that's it yeah I, I was expect <laughs> I was expecting the, um that guy that you that, that you seen to engage you and that's exactly what happened no. to us so we we had a we had a um a patrol we went out on the exact same thing we'd been in in, in contact and then we had an A ten come on station and do a bunch mm-hmm. of gun runs and stuff like that um and then oh, yeah. we were about 50 meters away from the a10 doing its doing its gun run and it was doing it into a compound and it done about maybe two no definitely done two so maybe three runs and 
I was like, right, the boss the boss came on the radio and he's like, right, that's it. Um, gun runs are over, so we're, we're going to head out from here. And I'm saying, I said, boss, we need to clear that compound. Like, yeah, we've had a gun run, but we need to clear it. And I'm all, I, I had mm -hmm. a, I'd, I don't know if I had it or if someone else had a camera. Someone else has a camera and you can hear me on the, uh, on the video. And it says, we need to clear that compound. I just shout it out because I can hear on the radio that we're, we're heading back. I'm like, we need to clear that compound. No, 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 we're, we're heading back. Like, we're, we're kind of overextended as is and we don't want to engage in anything that, you know, we're not prepared for. And I'm like walking back, I'm point man, I'm like, we fucking should have cleared that compound. Like, we're, and we have a big open area of ground to cover. You know, we have no option other than to go over this open area. It's about 400 metres distance total. Sure enough, 200 metres into the open area, ambush. And, you know, we're, we've no, no cover. And then we have to do a fight and withdrawal out of that. Um, and that was, that was a pretty, you know, we were very lucky not to get anything because it's not often that you can see that, you know, see rounds hitting mud and stuff, you know, contrary to popular belief that you might see in the movies, you, you don't, you don't always see them hitting the dirt and you don't always see no. them hitting the walls beside you and behind you. Mm -hmm. But in that one ambush, we definitely, you know, they were literally all around us, like right in front of us, yeah. you know, right behind us, hitting the walls. Um, we were just lucky not, not to, uh, not to get hit. But a funny story about mm -hmm. that. I was on the, the LMG, which you guys call the saw. And uh, I had these uh, hundred hundred uh, round pouches, soft pouches are <laughs> called. And um, I had uh, nine pouches, so one on the gun and eight in my my day sack. And as we, as I was reloading, I would just take, I would like leave about five rounds exposed, take the soft pouch off, fresh soft pouch back on. I would ditch the the original soft pouch because they're 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 sense they're meant to be expendable, right? Mm -hmm. clip my link together and then i wouldn't even have to do a reload um so anyway i get through about 300 rounds and then one of the the young privates came comes up with one of my soft pouches he says dave dave you dropped a soft pouch i says they're fucking expendable don't fucking worry about a soft pouch in the middle of a gunfight <laughs> <laughs> he comes running up worried that i've dropped my kit and it's like one oh, of those man. things where training gets in the way of real life um, yes but yeah Fucking Dude, hell. I had I had a moment like that training up for the Mew. Um, my old squad leader became the platoon sergeant for third platoon, and um, we were running this this drill. It was a it was a like a medevac casualty drill. Like you know, you shoot. We're just on the firing line. We're doing like the shooting exercise, and then they're just like, "All right, you're um, like this guy's dead," and you know we we have to do the like an australian peel or something and uh get 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 him to safety and you know my squad did a great job getting him out and um i, I mean dude I, I love my squad like they like i was so i was so blessed man like for real like they they were great and, and they 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 just they were awesome and um but one of them on this one they they dropped the empty magazine and, you know, and we always preach in the Marines, like magazine retention, this kind of goes back to like that nutsack. I'm like, make it a magazine, dude, it's a magazine. Right. And the long run, like we had a casualty and it's just a magazine. Like, yeah, it sucks to leave it behind, but it was empty. So it's not like we're giving the enemy any ammunition or anything, but 
you know, we get back and, and this dude who used to be my, my squad leader, he, he starts chewing my ass and, and I, and I, I, I snap, like, <laughs> I'm just like, it, it, it's just a magazine. Like what we had a casualty. Like, I think that takes priority over some stupid magazine. Yeah. And, and he could tell, like, I was pissed and like, so he's like, dude, like, uh, calm down. Like, let's go talk. So, you know, he takes me back and he's just like, you know, you're right. You're right. But I was just trying to find some shit to like, you know, like there's always something to improve on. I was yeah. like, Hey, Roger that. Like, why don't, why don't you start off with that next time? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know that, that, but that's, that's the Marine mentality is to just like rip ass first, teach later. Yeah. And I, and I'm more of like the, the teach first rip ass later, if you don't get the teaching and you know, I have to reinforce it type of thing. Um, yeah. Real, real life scenarios are so different from training and, and, the reason why training is kind of bullshit is it is it so that when it when it is at real life that you're trying trying to mitigate all the everything you're trying to mitigate mm-hmm. dropping a magazine but real life bro you're fucking leaving you know let's just get real you're you're going to be leaving body parts you're going to be leaving weapons never mind a magazine yeah, you know you, you, yeah. that's that's real real life like you're not going to be able to retain everything that you've got so we take the madrasa and uh we set up like a little outpost there and um not gonna lie it's it's pretty freaking boring like it's just i mean we i mean we went in there with so so much backup so much just options you know we had so many options and no, like we didn't get any harassing fire or anything. Like there, there was just nothing. It was just quiet in our area. Um, and, and and at this time, Alpha and Bravo Company were to the south of us, and I guess they were getting, they were still like uh, being engaged and uh, doing whatever whatever they were doing. Like I, I still don't. I still don't know exactly like all of all of those stories down there and what what those guys went through, but I know they were. Um, I know we were busy for the first two days, and then like they were busy for like the first four or so. But then then things got quiet for them too. Um, so after after the madrasa, we stayed in that position for for like a week or so, and then we got got the word that we're going to start pushing further south into Helmand and. Kind of, I didn't set up the story very well before I just jumped right into it. I was just too excited, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) so there was like a, um, there was like a line drawn, drawn in the sand between, uh, NATO and the Taliban at this time where, uh, this line where I think we're like, it started, I think it was the road that we were on. Actually, it might've been the road just spreading east to west. And, you know, to the, to the north was NATO-occupied territory, and then to the south, stretching down all the way to the border of Pakistan, was just Taliban country. So, in Taliban country, they had no need to uh, IED or, you know, booby trap a lot of the stuff, although, I mean, we ran into several, but, uh, you know, they didn't take it to the level like we, we had seen it in, in Ramadi or, you know, other other places to come 
in Afghanistan, like probably were some of the places where you went. And then definitely when all of our junior Marines, all of our, all of our um, guys that were with us and on the Afghanistan pump, when they went back, they went to Marsha, which oh, was, yeah. it was like, I mean, that was like Ramadi in Afghanistan. Um, and, and man, like just dude, I'm so proud of those guys. Like just, just being the old fuddy duddy. I'm now a, a dad of two kids and just, you know, I, I didn't really get into it before talking about the train, like the, the, the workup and stuff for the Mew, but they had given me a, an award for training, uh, Navy and Marine Corps accomplishment, accomplishment medal or whatever it's called a, a NAM. And at the time I was like, this is, this is stupid. Like I, I want awards for like, you know, smashing the enemy's face in and, and stuff <laughs> like that. But, but now looking back on it, you know, 12 years on and, you know, being 36 years old and having gone through a lot more of life than just the infantry and war. Um, that was my greatest contribution to the global war on terror was teaching all those guys all the things I had learned from combat and yeah. Ramadi and, 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 and training them for what they would finally face in Marja, which was a lot of house to house and just, I mean, balls out yeah. combat. I'll stop. Um, I'll stop. I'll just uh, jump in really quickly and speak yeah. to one, speaking to one of the guys who's still in right now, what, what we are seeing in the British army and in, in one unit in, in particular, my old unit is that we're seeing a, a training vacuum and the leadership vacuum where mm -hmm. all that leadership and all that, you know, that, that quality, um, training value that might be instilled in, or maybe with experience in guys that were deployed in to Iraq, Afghanistan, all of that's not there anymore because the guys who are, who have done all that, they're in senior leadership positions or got out. So they're relying on the, the younger junior guys now to train up them even more junior guys who might mm. have only been in a week and what they're reporting back to me is that everything's terrible the leadership is terrible the training's terrible um i'm not sure if you're you're hearing any stories like that in the states but that's just what and that was today that i actually spoke to someone about that uh, yeah man there's um I mean, we, we've been getting like, ever since we started this, uh, this death walkers project, um, we've been talking to a lot of guys that were in Marja and Sangin, and then, um, some of the guys that went to Syria from one six and then uh, I don't know. I don't know. Like it, it's definitely a different Marine Corps for sure. And they're, completely revamping the whole structure of it. They're making it more specialized. Like, I mean, I don't want to get like too far into it because I just, I don't. Yeah. We've got other have... shit to talk about, but, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That could maybe be a different, a different, you know, time we can t discuss that, but it's, you know, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different time and I don't want to make us sound like old fuddy duddies going back and saying, <laughs> Oh, it was different in our time, but Back but, in our day. Yeah, exactly. Back in our day when we were all fucking men of cold, hard steel. Um, That's right. But, um, hey, listen, 
talking about Marja, I've got a guy who I had on the podcast on episode nine, I think he is. Uh, his name's John okay. Smith. He's a British guy. He was a, a British infantry section commander. And he went out to Marja to work with the Marines and he was a, a PMC at the time. So he went out there as a fucking, as a civilian, bro. And he, he had, um, <laughs> he had the United States Marine Corps as his force protection <laughs> as, a, as, hey. a, as a contractor. Uh, but he was saying the same thing. He was saying Marja in, in uh, 2010 was crazy. Um, yeah, that's when that's when they were there. Yeah, it may be interesting yeah. if you if you want to listen to that. And he had a crazy experience as a as a, a PMC in in Afghan, like insane. Awesome. So I, I that, can't wait and to he, listen and to he, it. And he does a really good job of being um, you know descriptive as well. So um, awesome. That, that's a good listen. And good for shit. anyone else who's listening that hasn't listened to that get your arse over there and, and give it a listen Hell yeah. john, john smith episode nine i think awesome uh, yeah I, I just had to make a note of that on my phone so yeah was, yeah that'll be the next one i listen to man like I, right i wasn't kidding i wasn't blowing smoke up your ass like <laughs> I, I, I like your podcast dude like it's it's legit i i, I just love these conversations and i think they're so important yeah they need to be told but, um and and when once we get past afghanistan and out of the marine corps like i dude there's like a whole nother there's a lot of shit to yeah. get to, yeah. Um, but I, I don't want to leave out. Um, definitely. Okay, so don't rush yeah. it. Don't you know? We're okay. You yeah, don't need yeah. to rush anything um, at all. But, um, but just but, go at your own pace, you know, and be as descriptive or, or non-descriptive as you want. So, um, so after the madrasa, like, <laughs> so I, I mentioned the documentary called Once a Marine. It was made by one of one of the uh, mortarmen who was actually attached to me, and it's on Amazon, uh, isn't it? Yeah, Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime. Um, if you know, go check it out. It, it, of course, I'm a little biased. Like it's it's about one six. It's my boys, but I mean, it, it's a damn good documentary. I watched and, it last week. Was that? I watched it last week. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah. So um, it, it it's good, and you know. There's another one about one six out there, and it was after I think the the pump after the Marja guys, the 2010 Marja guys, but it's called Combat Obscura. I think it's on Amazon Prime too, and that that one's that one's was really good as well. But uh, so not really not gonna um, cover anything that they want to cover, but Af Afghanistan was like. Like Vietnam, man, it was just kind of wild. Uh, you know, we we had oversight and and whatnot, but for the most part, we would get shipped off to these locations, and we'd be staying there for like a few days to a week at a time, and we would just be on our own. You know, we'd like Roger up to like higher headquarters with comms and and all that, but other than that, it was just like out at these remote locations and left our own devices. So this part of Helmand province, over 90% of the world's heroin comes from there. And to go along with the heroin, they have fields of pot, like we have fields of corn in the Midwest, uh, in the States. I mean, endless, endless fields of poppies giving way to endless fields of marijuana. <laughs> Just like uh, uh, just a freaking 1960s flower child's just dream 
you know. Yeah, I mean, and, those, those things, they get to about 12 foot high. Oh, dude, trees, man, yeah. trees. Like, they, they're not <laughs> kidding when they when they put that in their, in, in, in those in some of those rap songs, man. Like, smoking trees, like, yeah, those, those things were legit trees out there. But, I mean, at those remote locations, it was just like anything went. So anything did go. Like, whatever. Um, so we were at this place called the, well, we named it the Oasis because there's like this little like stream like coming off of a wadi running through this little compound. We actually had a well, so we got to use a well and like kind of like wash off from that. Um, of course, couldn't drink from it or else you just have the shits for days, weeks, months. Well, yeah. Um, so we, you know, we would go to these remote locations. We'd hold them for a while and we just kept on moving further and further south, just waiting for the Taliban to, you know, come and fight us. Like we were just trying to pick a fight this whole time, like moving here, moving there, moving there still nothing all right we're just going to clear through here you know we'd find a, a cachet every now and then but no action i mean it, after those first two days it, it was just boring as hell but we would eventually get ready for this this major operation where we were going to get dropped like from where we started at the madrasa, it was probably about 10 to 15 miles south from there. And we had only gone like maybe a few miles into that with like these moving small movements. And then they were just like, screw this. Definitely not going to be a seven to 10 day experience. Like we're, we're, we're pushing to the, so April 29th, or 28th we had left for the madrasa so now this is the end of may so we've been like doing this slow movement thing for about a month now so we're at the oasis and then we were there for a little bit and then now it was time to do the next big push and and this time it was going to be like we're going to drop you guys down behind enemy lines like 10 miles deep at this place called drug room fort which is like this taliban stronghold and there's there's a there's a Royal Marine story about this place, and and it happened. I want to say 2007, but they had they had went in there, and I think it was like a helo drop, like an air assault mission. Um, it, it, I don't know if you know anything about this. You probably correct. I don't know like too many of the details on it, but the gist of it was, they this this main push into Juggernaut Fort went horribly wrong. You know, took took casualties. Um, just were on the brink of getting overrun and completely wiped out. So they they sent in these these helos and other you know other Royal Marines were on on the helos, like li literally sitting on the freaking skids coming into this place, as, as like back back these guys up and get them the hell out of there. And yeah, like like Juggernaut Fort, like that's that's. That's the kind of stuff that we heard going into this. Like, the Royal Marines couldn't take it. Like, you know, we're in for a hell of a fight. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do know. I do know what you're talking about. That there's um, 
you know, it's kind of, it's, it lives in infamy in, in, you know, the British military as, a, okay. as, a, a mission gone wrong. And also, uh, an example of sh- sheer, her- sheer heroism. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I think this, the same thing like you guys were tasked with is to, to clear and hold this jug room fort area. Um, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason they, they done that, they may, I, I don't know the details, so I don't want to talk yeah. on the details, but what ended up happening was a, a wounded guy got left or I don't know if he was wounded. Maybe anyway, a guy got left, either he was wounded or he wasn't. Okay. And then the company, the whole company had landed back at their uh, staging area before they realized and to get back out there with a company strength to then you know have a presence on the ground just was not feasible so i think it was a sergeant the company sergeant major and like three or four other guys literally fucking duct tape duct taped themselves to the side of an apache and the apache went back picked up the casualty and then took you know they they, they managed to rescue him um but yeah, it, I mean, they didn't literally duct tape I mean, themselves. They, they, I mean, it sucks that they got left Apache, there to begin with, Apaches but to have those guys go back and get them, that's just... Yeah, I mean, Apaches I mean, aren't, that, that, aren't built for people to sit on the sides of them. They're not built right. to carry anyone other than the pilot and the gunner. Yep. So these guys, I think there were four in total, they, they sat on the sides of the Apache, just held on for dear life. They fucking got, got into, into the area where the guy was left. They managed to grab him. And, and get him back oh um, shit and yeah like I, like I said I don't, I don't know all of the details and I don't want to talk you know right. on stuff that I don't know so it might be something for people to go and research themselves mm-hmm. um, but yeah you're you're definitely right that's that's something that happened before and that was something that was going on at the time of myself joining and it was something that was you know quite inspiring to me to hear that back in, in the UK as a 16 year old kid um, so um you know there was crazy stories like that coming out of afghanistan but every year that went on it just went it just got worse and crazier and worse and crazier each year and that's oh man like that's that's wild to me because after well let's just go through juggling four <laughs> so <laughs> like always trying to like get ahead of myself here and like no dude pump breaks okay so so we get this this mission to drop behind, I mean, le- legitimate, just more Taliban country. And uh, sec- second platoon, so we, we get the shaft on, like, our mission sucks on this operation. Like, it's a, it's a flanking mission. It's kind of like what I did uh, on the, on the main, on the Madrasa push, but um nothing happened like our our snipers engaged some guys but that was it like we were expecting a lot more like reinforcements coming from the area that we were supposed to be blocking off and just never happened so i don't know if like those guys were there and then just said like they saw us and they were just like ah screw it we're not we'll live the fight another day or, or what but this was this was all first platoon and third platoon pushing the this the, the main part of jug room for it and man like it it was 
there's no other way to, to describe it. Like this, this was some epic shit that went down. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like when, when we were getting briefed and, and preparing for the mission, like if we took any contact at all from this place, they were going to call, call in Celtics and Celtics was this like seven minutes of 81 millimeter mortars from a uh, weapons company would be dropping in these 81s on this place. And all of it was like pre-designated targets, dude. Like everybody knew this place, like the 2007 with the Royal Marines and Jug Room Fort, like this, there was no secret here. So it was pre-dialed in. So mortars, 81s would hit this place and then they, they would shoot for seven minutes uh, doing their brackets. And then artillery would shoot for seven minutes bracketing this place. I mean, dude. And then after all of that, you know, the indirect fire would clear and then these Apaches would come in. And and I and I was wrong. Like I, I thought it was just a, a, a pair of Apaches, you know, memory, the, the fog of war and all that, but we also had some Huey gunships running. And that and that one of the Huey gunships was one of the ones that uh came in when I did that uh you know call for fire mission on those uh the farmers with shovels mm -hmm. back in the madrasa. <laughs> so these Hueys were back and their mini guns were just going just you know, that whole thing. And, um, yeah, the, it, it was just this whole drug room fort was just lit up, blown to pieces with 21 minutes of just this American firepower that, ju I mean, just and, fucking, and again, it's like, just a fucking assault on your senses. Oh man, it's an overload. It's just an overload. And before all that happened, we shot off a, I, I don't remember the the words for it, but the, the what we called it and the acronym it spells like M I C L I C, and we called it a Miklik. And this thing was like a a rocket that shot out of this barrel or cannon or whatever the hell, and it shot for like 300 meters and along this debt cord, or like explosives set every you know so often like on an increment. So this thing would shoot out for 300 meters along this road and, you know, they detonate it and it was supposed to clear all the IEDs from the, the main avenue going into Juggernaut Fort. So <laughs> there was just this massive, like, explosion, just this long line of just coming up. And then um, either 1st or 3rd Platoon started their, their movement towards Juggernaut Fort and they took, you know, a little contact and... You know, like they said, if we take any contact from this place, we're calling in Celtics. So that happened. We got the 21 minutes of the bombardment. And then, again, like, how, how, do, how does anyone survive something like that? But, you know, the Taliban 